Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace, and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. And so I want to encourage you that um, be prepared for some major storms. Be prepared for some, some topsy-turvy boat rides when Jesus says, let's go to the other side. And you in your storm, and the waves rise. The, ver- the song we sang is one of my personal favorites because it's so word-based. When the oceans rise and thunders roar, I will soar with you above the storms. Father, you are king over the flood. That, that, just that phrase, David wrote that. Uh, sorry, Moses, I think. He, this one of the psalms that he, he wrote. And he was, he was, he was, his thoughts was when Israel passed through the, the Red Sea and how God drowned the Egyptians. Right? He said the Lord sits. He's, the Lord literally sat as king over the flood. Right? So in the words of the song, Father, you are king over the flood. I will be still. When Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I will be still and I will know that you are God. Amen? So tell your neighbor, God is king over your flood. It doesn't just say he's king. It says he sits. Like God is so unmoved, unthreatened, unfazed. It says God sits as king over the flood. Amen? And so I really want to encourage you. Find that psalm. Study it. Interesting. Amen. I will be still and I will know that you are God. You can never know until you are still. You can never know until you are, until you are still. Remember what Joseph had said, stand still and station yourself, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. When he was surrounded by three-pronged enemy, right? Station yourself, stand still and see. I love those two portions of scripture because um, Moses said the one about to cross the Red Sea. And Jehoshaphat says that similar phrase when, when ambushed, surrounded by an enemy. Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Right? You can never ever see perspective must be had from the position of stillness. You stand still and then you see. Perspective or perception is always enhanced when you are at rest. Right? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Salvation comes to him who is at rest. Jehoshaphat said, position yourself, station yourself, three things. Station yourself, stand still, and something similar, see the salvation of the, of the Lord. David in one of his psalms said, be still and know that I am God, right? Knowledge of God comes to him who is still, right? You'll enter into, into experiential knowledge from your position of being at rest. So I really want to encourage you. I'm practicing being quiet. I want to encourage you to start to practice quietness as an expression of your rest. Some of your lives are too busy, right? Carve out time just to be still and to be quiet, literally be quiet. Uh, most Pentecostals are threatened by silence. 
ever notice? You've got to have either the radio playing or there must be something for you to be normal. But practice silence and practice stillness and uh, just you, you'll heighten your senses in terms of accessing the voice of the, the voice of the Lord. Beautiful psalm. I think it was in Isaiah somewhere I read today. In quietness and stillness shall be your confidence. Hmm? And so I want to encourage you. Tell you never be quiet. Right? Even talk less in a day and see what happens. Right? But for some of you that's going to be very hard. <laughs> okay. Right? Okay, we're going to continue on, on pieces, a, f- a few points of encouragement. And then uh, I want to pray about various things. We'll see how the Lord would lead us um, this evening. Amen. Um, but we've been talking about peace as an expression of of rest, okay? Peace as an expression of rest. And your soul needs to come into rest for you to enjoy total life prosperity. The soul must prosper. Part of, the pros- of your soul prosperity is a soul at rest. And we discussed what rest means at length. But for me, one of the indications of a soul at rest is a soul at peace. So the soul at peace is poised to access um, total life prosperity, okay? And we, you've got to understand peace. The more I'm studying peace, the more I realize how little we have known about it, or how limited our view and our understanding of it. Okay, quickly, in, in, in 30 seconds, share with your neighbor. Ask them, what is peace? And each of you answer each other, just quickly. Not long, just, just a few words that come to your mind when you think of the idea of peace. Just very, very quickly. doesn't have to be long and elaborate stuff. Maybe it's a word or a thought or a phrase that you have. What is your understanding of peace? Okay. Can you just shout at some of your answers quickly? This first one, anybody, quickly. Total confidence. Security. Not being ruffled. Second row. Quickly, quickly. Okay, nothing. Third row. Calmness. Composure. Fourth row. The chill row. No stress. Okay. I like this. Goodman, no stress. Okay, Vanola's row. Being unaffected. Okay, last row. Leo's row. At rest. Stillness. Okay, all of the concepts. Anybody else quickly? Okay, you, when you address in adverse circumstances. Peace is inside. Okay, anybody else quickly? One, two, going, gone. All right, all of those concepts are valid. Okay, um, I, I try to, and I'm still enlarging my own understanding of peace. I, I realize how limited our view is of it is. But let me just read something. Sorry, I apologize for not getting the notes to you on time. It's just that now this issue of peace is becoming its own manual on its own, you know. Um, and I'm really, really so, uh, have a new appreciation for Jehovah Shalom. He is the Lord our peace. Jesus is called the Prince of, it's the Prince of Peace. Jesus said to his disciples, my peace I give to you. 
not like the world gives. He says, you have the capacity when you go to a household, you can leave your peace there. Right? And so it's really profound, the concept. And it's linked very much to total life prosperity. And so I really want to encourage us um, to study it more in-depthly. But as we are still developing this, let me just give you some of the points that really, really um, struck home to me. Peace does not only imply the absence of strife, anxiety, or trial. Right? Now, it's not, it does not only imply that there's the absence of strife or anxiety or trial. In some respects, for example, um, the Lord gave the kingdom, for example, to Solomon. Why to Solomon? Right? Juline did the study with us a few years ago. Right? Remember that the, the sermon, the sermon was sons who bore by rest. Right? And she used Solomon as one of the case studies. Solomon's name means peace. Right? And uh, let me read the text. Just found the verse as I was coming in here. If you want to jot it down, it's First Chronicles chapter 22 from verse 9 you must read. Behold, a son will be born to you. Um, who shall be a man of rest, talking about Solomon, and I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side, for his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. Right? So Solomon, the word the name Solomon means peace. Right? And it says, Behold, a son will be born, and this man of peace will be a man of rest. So you can never ever discuss the issue of, of, of rest without addressing the issue of peace. And a, a core component of peace is rest. In context of this scripture, rest that Solomon would bring to Israel would be one in which Israel would not know warfare. So there would be a cessation of any kind of, of warfare. Who else in the scripture was like this? Where God gave Israel rest from all of their enemies while this man was alive. Samuel, remember? So the Bible says, as long as Samuel was presiding, it says, the Lord caused rest to come over Israel. So peace and rest in their context was the absence of war. Right? So it does include the absence of any kind of strife or, or war, warfare. It also includes the absence of any kind of anxiety. We are not fretting, you're not worried unwarrantedly, right? Um, you're, you're, you're not in stress, you're in absolute internal composure, settlement, right? I also wrote here, peace is the ability to remain at rest in the midst of the most traumatic circumstances. When you are at total rest. Now please don't underestimate this uh, propensity that you have in God to be in the midst of a storm. Um, a violent storm, and yet you are sleeping, like Jesus did on the boat, right? And your sleep is not that you're indifferent to what's going on around you, right? But you are deliberately adopting a posture in, that is totally uh, antithetical. It's, it's opposite to what prevails around you, and you're doing it deliberately to, like, to, to protest in the spirit, to act in the contrary spirit to what your circumstances dictate to you, how things should be. So you adopt like a, a, a totally opposing, contrary position to the storm. So your storm says to you, you should be worried. But you say, no, 
I will sleep. This storm is my sleeping pill. <laughs> Jesus is on a pillow, the Bible says, in the back part of the ship. King James says the hinder part. He's not even worried about what. And these disciples are totally perplexed. And what is sleep? The best form of rest. He taught us that in the midst of a storm, you can be at total ease and at total rest. Remember what Thamo taught us? Thamo taught us, um, I got it somewhere in my, yeah, in my notes. Um, I want to get the exact phrasing as he said it, if I can find it. Okay, I, don't, I can't find it. Let me just quote what I remember. He said, you have no authority to speak to your storm until you are able to sleep in your storm. Right? He got up from a position of sleep and he said, peace, notice the words, peace. You can't command peace to your situation until you yourself have become the embodiment of peace. So this peace dynamic is very, very important. You know why? You're going to have the capacity to, to configure your world. <clears throat> There's an authority that is attendant with peace, and I'll explain that shortly. Before we thought it was just some weak, fragile, tranquil, serene. Yes, it includes all of these things like tranquility, serenity, rest. You know, the picture of calm, repose. But don't misunderstand that to be a position of weakness. Because peace itself, I've discovered, is the most formidable place of strength that one can come to in God. Right? This peace for the Son of God, His authority in the Spirit is His peace. I've concluded. Say that again. For the Son of God, your authority in the Spirit is your level of peace. The moment your peace leaves, you are vulnerable and you are disempowered to operate in your authority. I'll show you a bunch of scriptures uh, shortly to, to validate this fact. But please catch this in the Spirit. The moment my peace leaves, my, my authority in the spirit is eroded, right? Um, but the moment my peace is intact, my peace is my authority, right? From a position of peace, he rises from rest and he speaks to that. In fact, to him it wasn't a threat because he was sleeping. He did it only for the sake of little faith in his disciples. Oh, you of? You sent the word thought, Julian, this morning, right? Oh, you of little faith. You see, and I really want to encourage us. Tell you, never increase your faith, right? Your, 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 your capacity to trust God implicitly. Faith in this context is not faith for things now. Jesus said they are little faith because they feared that a storm was going to... Um, Literally cause them to perish, impact their well-being and their welfare, right? And the fact that they feared testified to the fact that they did not trust God sufficiently enough. And so every time you fear or you express a lack of faith, you're literally saying, the subtext is, your subconscious is saying to God, you are not trustworthy enough. So every time you don't express faith, you're saying to God, I have no confidence in your nature, no confidence in your character. So I choose to submit myself to a fear dynamic that my storm was designed to instill in me. Right? But he who is at peace is a man of faith. 
He who is at peace is a man of faith. Because even in the most severest of his trials, his confidence in God doesn't wane. Right? In fact, this guy is so confident, he can ignore the storm. Thamo taught us this, and only now I'm beginning to fully understand it. The best form of spiritual warfare is to ignore your enemy. Ignore your trial, ignore your storm. Okay? You can't speak until you learn to sleep. Get that principle firmly. No speaking until you're sleeping. Rest, and when you've demonstrated your capacity to not let your storm impact you, that authorizes you in the spirit to command it. Hmm? To command it. A cessation of the storm that threatens you. Okay? Peace also. So, yes, it's the ability to remain at rest in the midst of the most traumatic circumstances. But peace is far more than this. It incorporates the idea, listen carefully. Everyone say wholeness. Wholeness, say completeness. Say stability. Come on, repeat after me. Equilibrium. Well-being. Safety. Protection. Provision. Divine health. Strength. That's amazing. Auto prosperity. Come on, say prosperity. All of these concepts are bound up in this word called peace. Now you wonder why Paul mentions it alongside grace. In all his impartations. He doesn't say grace to you. Maybe we must do another CD called Peace to You. (laughs) He says grace and peace to you. For a large degree, we've only focused on grace. Impartations of grace, which is our empowerment to function. But you need some Irene. (laughs) Those of you here on Sunday. Irene is the Greek word for peace. You need some... Listen carefully. Now think about this. Who gives peace and where does peace has its source in? Our God, not so, right? He's the... I mean, He is not unsettled or unseated, perplexed or thrown into disequilibrium by any event or phase attendant with the earth. Not so? I mean, the U.S. government shut down when... Two days ago or last night, 24 hours ago, right? Do you think God, like, was sitting on the throne? Wait, what happened in the States? Yo. You know, and he was like, what am I going to do now? How will this affect global markets, etc.? What if this thing is protracted for the next few months, right? What impact will it have? Do you think he's like that? You know, he's like sitting there. He probably saying, I saw this coming a long time ago. <laughs> you know, he's... You wonder why, look at Jesus walking in the Gospels. Just look at him. Read the Gospels with a view, like an aerial view, looking at his, his pathways, how he interacts with people. Not once is he disoriented. Not once is he unseated. This guy is cool, calm, and collected. Lawyers, Pharisees, scribes can throw probing questions at him, try to trick him. Uh, they tried to assassinate him various times. But it's like the Bible says he just walked with the crowd. It's like, you know, what's a big deal? Everyone say, be at peace. I often marvel at this dynamic in God. Gideon, remember in Judges 6, 24. Gideon called God. You are Jehovah Shalom. 
Abraham gave God the name Jehovah Jireh. Gideon, he had the revelation of that God is a God of peace. And he saw something inherent within the very nature of God that he did not see before. Right? And, and yes, I mean, God is not us like us human beings. So he can't equate our view of peace as being stable and composed in perplexing circumstances. Take that definition and attach it to him. It won't fit his, won't fit who he is. His God is above. He's above everything else, yet the Bible says he's, he's got this quality in him called peace. And for me, that element within the makeup of God are words like wholeness, completeness, fullness, complete composure, describe the peace of God. Nothing missing, nothing lacking. Complete all by himself. Right? His peace. So, you know, when, I, I really want to encourage you in the face of your most dire need, be at peace. Demonstrate this quality of God that you are whole, that you are complete, that you are fully together. That even though maybe in your view there are some deficiencies, a deficiency is a lack, a want, an area you need to build. It probably we all have those. But start to assert the peace of God. And when you say, I assert the peace of God, you're not just saying uh, uh, calmness, composure. Yes, it includes all of these things. But you're saying, I want to be the most whole, complete, together person I know. So I can walk to my workplace and there, there can be a crisis that erupts. But how I respond to it will either demonstrate to me whether I am a man or a woman of peace or not. Right? So I really want to encourage you. Uh, Liam is probably the most cool, calm, collected person I know. Right? It can be a crisis. You know, something happens. Maybe a car screeching with the dogs. I'll say, what's happening? He will be watching TV. Okay. Let me go see. <laughs> you know? And I, I don't say that that is not urgent and things are important. It's really a disposition he has. Many people have noted it, that, you know, we'll handle it in peace. We'll, we'll approach this from a position, not of anxiety, um, but from absolute wholeness. You see, you, you disarm yourself when you respond to urgent crises, situations. And you are caught on the left foot or the back foot, you know. You are not prepared to intelligently, calmly, and rationally and with wisdom, approach a circumstance. Right? How, many, how many people you know like that? They just know how to handle crises. Yet there are others, they are thrown into such fretting and frenetic, frantic responses. And their, 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 their frantic responses do no good to help remedy the situation. Right? You've got to remain calm. Right? Got to remain calm. Okay, Lazarus is dead. Jesus said, so what? I'll wait four more days. Right? It's like, the need was not the call. Listen, the need was not the call. Right? He wasn't driven by the urgency of the death of a dear friend. And he was very close to this family. Right? He comes four days later. <laughs> it's amazing how like, Jesus is the most coolest dude I know. 
You know, it's like his soul, and he doesn't respond, listen carefully, to maintain your peace. He doesn't respond to the call to make impressions on people, to demonstrate his faithfulness. Right? Some of, don't lose your peace because of a program. He responds in the timing of the Lord. And how does he come there? He comes as the resurrection. He comes as the... His power to, to authoritatively command the spirit of death to lose Lazarus is because he's, he's at total peace. The, check the, the state of the mourners at that funeral. Probably wailing this people emotionally out of sorts. Now, in a crisis situation, you don't need an emotional person there. Right? How many emotional people you know? Right? In crises where the emotions have the better of them. Right? You, wanna, you want, listen carefully, you might say he's not interested. No, wrong. You might say he's unsympathetic to the family. No, wrong. He knew exactly what he was doing. I think part of his design, besides... God initiated delay of four days to manifest his glory. I think part of his design was to come there and to approach the entire situation at total, from a position of calm, absolute focus, knowing exactly what he's about. Okay? So tell you never stop pleasing people and be at rest. Listen to this. I put this, this particular post on Facebook this morning, I was stud- in the morning, I was studying early, and I, uh, I was trying to, you know the Bible says, preachers, in Ecclesiastes, the verse, it says, the preacher sought for words, like well-driven nails, right? We don't stone you with words in this season. Remember before we stone you with words. Now we nail you, <laughs> okay? It says, the preacher like goads. The preacher sought for parables, for wise sayings, proverbs. The book of Proverbs was written by who? Solomon, a man of peace. Who loves the book of Proverbs? The book of Proverbs is, every verse is a short statement, sometimes unrelated to the previous one, but they're like principles for life. Right? And Solomon, when he wrote um, Ecclesiastes, he says, the preacher sought for words. Words are powerful. So I want to encourage you to start to formulate your own proverbial sayings. Call them principles. Uh, a lot of preachers in the past, when they published these, call them quotable quotes. You know, you quote someone. It's a power pack statement. It's a principle. And some of these are divinely inspired. Really divinely inspired. Okay? So will you start your own proverbial, your own book of Proverbs? Okay. Just think of it. You don't need to do it as a, do it as a lifelong exercise. You think of something, God gives you something original, something grabs you, document it somewhere. So, I wrote this quickly. Peace, although depicting tranquility, is also a position of internal wholeness, completeness, composure, listen carefully, without proneness to being unsettled or unseated. It also indicates quiet but bold confidence and tremendous military might and authority in God. Okay? So, it's internal tranquility, wholeness, yes. But it also indicates the ability to be unseated or 
not to be unsettled. You're not prone to be unsettled. You're not prone to be un, unseated. But it indicates a quiet but bold confidence. It's like a raw confidence that you have. And that confidence, although it's quiet and bold, the flip side of it, it indicates tremendous spiritual muscle, weight and authority in the Lord. Okay? Don't underestimate this quietness for, for weakness, but your peace is your, your peace is your strength. A couple of verses, just quickly, take these down. Isaiah 32 verse 17 says, The work of righteousness will be peace, and the service of righteousness, quietness and confidence forever. Quietness and confidence forever. Isaiah 30 verse 15 says the following. Isaiah 30 and verse 15. The first part says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, In repentance or in returning and in rest you will be saved. And in quietness and trust shall be your strength. We sang the song, In quietness and trust. In quietness and trust shall be your your strength. Quietness and trust in this verse is equated to the position of, at, of being at rest. Okay? At rest. Now, if you are at peace, just, just, just give me a few verses. In the this, in this scripture, peace is often used to indicate that even bodily, your physical body is, is whole. In other words, there's no... Uh, nothing in your physical body that is out of alignment, but that you are also in perfect divine health also indicates that you are in, in peace. If peace indicates wholeness, composure, togetherness, nothing missing, nothing lacking, then in, the, in your body, not just in your soul, you will also have the sense of, of wholeness. Now, the woman that was, that was cleansed from the issue of blood for 12 years. Remember? Jesus said this to her in Luke 8, 48. Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Jesus equates peace, a state of peace, with the fact that she was healed of the physical condition of this issue of blood that she suffered for for 12 years. You know how anybody that is plagued by a recurrent illness the sense of peace will be threatened. Okay? So I really want to encourage you that we are fast trusting the Lord that we will live not just for divine healing, but we will live in divine health. There's something better than healing. It's called health. Okay? And so I really want to encourage you. Trust God that you will be in divine health. Okay? It's part of the expression of the peace of God. What does Isaiah 53, it's come to me now, Isaiah 53 says, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Chastisement means punishment. Some versions say, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Next verse, and by his stripes you were healed. Okay? So, someone had to pay, take the punishment to bring us peace. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and as an outflow of that, by his stripes you will be healed. Amen? So tell your neighbor you are healed physically. Now, you maybe have one or two things out of alignment. 
<laughs> okay? But I'm really trusting God that we be, this, this community, be the most healthiest of saints. Amen? You are healed. You are whole. You are healthy in the name of the Lord. Amen? Tell your neighbor, you're the healthiest person I know. Hallelujah. You are the healthiest person I know. Please, I'm, I don't want to labor this. I've got, I've got 30 pages here. I can just run through principles. I don't want to do that. I want to be sensitive to the Holy, the Holy Ghost. I really want to encourage you. You might not have any overt health issues now, but when something threatens your body, assert your peace. Part of your peace is divine health, is divine healing. Amen? Um, is divine. Listen to this verse. Jeremiah 33, verse 6 says the following, and 7. Behold, I will bring it health and healing, and I will heal them, and I will reveal to them an abundance of peace. So God's saying, I'll bring you health, and I will bring you healing, and that for you will be a revelation of my abundance of peace to you. Okay? Peace and truth. And the next verse says, and I will restore your fortunes. So there's like, there's like financial prosperity attended with this. I will restore your fortunes of the fortunes of Judah, the fortunes of Israel, and I will rebuild them as they were at, at first. As they were at first. First comes to me now. Go to Isaiah 11.11. 11. Isaiah 11.11. 11. Easy to remember, eh? So in Jeremiah 33 verse 6, God says, I will heal them, and this will be to them like an abundance of, of peace. Amen? I'm really trusting God. My shoulder is still not right. Um, excruciating pain. It affects my sleep at times. But I'm declaring that I'm whole and I'm well in the name of the Lord. Okay? Because this is part of my peaceful inheritance. Right? Tell your neighbor you are the picture of peace. When I see you, Corrine, I want to see the perfect picture of a peaceful woman. Amen? And part of that for you would be that you are physically well. Not just spiritually, but that you are physically well and that you are physically whole. I love this verse. Then it will happen on that day, on, on that day, that the Lord will again recover the second time. With his hand, the remnant of his people, etc. You can read. But just what I want to leave with you in your spirit is tell you never there is a second time. It says, The Lord will recover again the second time. Like I said to you on Sunday, prophetically, I believe we are in a season called the revisitation of the Lord. This is the second coming, as it were, to us. I will come to my temple quickly. This is he's coming to his temple. This is the second coming. This is our Deuteronomy. The revisitation, the second annunciation of the law of the Lord. And the posture of God in the second revisitation is regathering, is blessing, is his favor. I feel like presently I'm born again, again. It's the only way I can, I can explain myself. Right? I, can, I, I feel the, my youthfulness in the spirit come back. Right? 
And I, I really want to encourage you. I feel, I sense it. sense it in our home. I sense it in every part of our lives. Not that we are absent of trial or, or, or need, but I sense a second wave of God's favor. I, I, I do, do you, how many of you are picking this up in your... There is God. I'm coming to you a, a, second, a second time. And in, in Jeremiah 33, 6 and 7, God is visiting His people with health and healing. He is describing that visitation as an abundance of peace and truth. God says in that context, when, when peace comes to you, I will again restore your fortunes. Restore the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes of Israel. And God says, I'm going to rebuild them just like they were at first. Right? But now we're in a new covenant with better promises. And the glory of the latter house will be even far greater than the glory of the, of the former house. Amen. So I really want to encourage you, position yourself for the favor of the Lord. Amen. Position yourself for the favor of the Lord. Now, peace also, besides physical healing, it also indicates emotional wellness. Jeremiah 8, 11 says the following about false prophets. They heal the brokenness of the daughter of my people superficially, falsely, saying, peace, peace, but there is no peace. Right? So in, I don't want to talk about the false dynamic here, but the principle, the sub-principle is, God is saying, they heal the brokenness, the emotional brokenness of my people. Saying, peace, peace, but there is no peace. In this verse, peace is equated to wholeness, not brokenness. Right? I want to encourage you, you are whole. You are at peace, rather, when you are whole. You are not at peace when your emotions are broken. Okay? So that is why you must guard your heart. Guard your heart and your mind. I'll share with you before we close that important verse in Philippians. Guard your heart and your mind. Because the moment your, your emotions are affected, your peace is compromised. The moment your peace is compromised, your heart is unguarded. Hmm? So the peace of God will keep your heart and your mind. Right? No peace means an unguarded heart. No peace means an unguarded heart mind okay so maintain your peace in the lord um then also peace also has reference to strength psalm 29 verse 11 says the following an amazing verse the lord will give strength to his people the lord will bless his people with peace in this verse peace is equated to strength right so you can say the lord i love how this verse starts the lord will bless his people with strength Hallelujah! Power! Holy Ghost invasion! Spirit of might and power is going to fill the building. No, not so. God says, I give you strength. How am I going to do it? I'll simply give you peace. Your peace is going to be your strength. No peace, no strength. But no peace, no strength. No peace, N-O. No peace, N-O, strength. But no peace, K. N O W, and then you will know strength. K N O W. Okay. Which no do you want? <laughs> okay. That was an old, I remember, the sticker on a car. Remember? Yours, the, the, I think they still have stickers on cars. They still have. 
It was no Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. Okay. So listen carefully. The moment your peace is compromised, your strength is gone. Okay. What's the kingdom after all? Righteousness, peace, and joy. You claim kingdom, I want to see peace. You claim to be in the kingdom, I want to see three things. Righteousness, purity, holiness, practical holiness. Then I want to see peace. I want to see you happy. I want to see you sour-faced. So tell you, smile a while. Huh? You know, these are like expressions, uh, characteristics of the kingdom. You claim kingdom, you claim to be in the kingdom, three things at least from that verse in Romans must be there. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Kingdom, king rulership, authority, power, and strength. Governmental rule, its basis or indications of its expression, righteousness, peace, and joy. Your peace, like I said, is your authorization to rule. Peace empowers your rule, and peace will be the outflow of your rule. You, uh, a person that claims to be a ruler in the kingdom, the manifestation, the outworking of that, will be one of peace. Right? And not one of, of, of disorder. Okay, then we had various other scriptures that we, we shared on, on Sunday. I don't want to go um, through all of that now. Remember what the word Prince of Peace means in Hebrew? He who has authority to destroy the one who establishes disorder. Okay? Prince of peace. Right? So Jesus is the, the prince of peace. Then we looked at several scriptures. Everyone say God of peace. So may the God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved. Blameless unto the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who sanctifies spirit, soul, and body? God of peace, not God of love, not God of power, not God of fire, God of peace. So Paul is very specific. This dynamic in God is going to bring the fullness to your spirit, soul, and your body. And uh, uh, Taryn put something on Facebook some, some time back, a God of peace scripture, and it got me thinking. And I, I searched for all the God of peace scriptures. Okay? And I, I mentioned a few of them on, on Sunday. Uh, I don't want to go through what we did there, but I just want to continue off from where we, we left off. Now, um, what I want to focus on is apostolic impartations of peace. Because you're only going to prosper if you have the God of peace with you. You're only going to prosper if the God of peace is, is with you. And we looked at several examples of this. Remember, um, we looked at the house of Obadidim that prospered because of the, the Ark of the, of the Covenant. How many months was the Ark of the Covenant in his house? It was there three months and he prospered. Right? Paul in Romans 15.33 says, May the God of peace be with you. He thinks about the Roman Christians. He says, I want the God of peace to be, to be with you. There was an apostolic assertion, impartation of the divine presence of God upon a people. But the aspect of God highlighted as he pronounces the blessing is the peace of God. Or the 
God of peace. Right? I don't want to talk too much on the interplay of words. Maybe later we can do that. But there's some scriptures that speak of the God of peace and others that speak of the peace of God. Can't have the peace of God without having the, the God of peace. Right? The God of peace is the person of peace. It describes who God is, a God of, of peace. Now, let me go to this quickly. I was really blessed when I thought of, of this because sometimes we do it so, uh, as leaders, so casually, but now I'm going to do it more consciously and more uh, focusedly. Uh, when I impart grace to you in an email or even here publicly, I really want you to receive the impartation. If I say grace to you, if I say peace be upon you, you, you from who is the recipient, must appropriate that. You can get peace in multiple ways in the scripture. And we'll, we'll talk about some of them in the future. But listen carefully. There is there's an apostolic impartation of peace from a spiritual father as a valid way of increasing your peace dynamic. And let me just say this. The peace dynamic increasing in your life is nothing more than the person of God growing in your life. Peace is not static, like grace is not static. You can grow in grace, grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord. Peter says, mouth, grace. In fact, I love what Peter says. If you want the reference, Second Peter 1, 2 says, grace and peace be multiplied. Right? Not added. This is multiplication, not addition. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Right? And to us the Son is born, and to us, sorry, the Son is given, child is born, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be what? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Next verse, and of what? Of the increase of two things. Of the increase of his government and what? And peace. There will be no end. So peace is, we can talk later about the association between peace and government. The more you have the government of God, you will have the, the peace of God. Or peace is always an expression of the fact that he is ruling and that he is governing. Listen carefully. Everyone say of the increase. There will be no end. Now think of it. It says of the increase of his government or his kingdom and his peace, there will be no end. That tells me that peace is an unending dynamic. It's a never, uh, it's an ever, sorry, increasing dynamic in the kingdom. Right? Peter understood when he said to his readers, peace be multiplied to, peace be multiplied to you. Right? So I really want to encourage you, the more you grow in the nature of God in terms of his peace, you're going to come into um, certain blessings and favor. By virtue of it, okay? It's going to happen automatically, right? Now, for example, it says, you know the scripture, Psalm 119, verse 165, Great peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall by any means oh, offend them. If you maintain your love for the word, which implies obedience, we know this, the principles, if you maintain your love for the word, right, you will live in a place called, not peace, but great peace. The difference between living in peace and living in great peace.
things. I don't know which portion you want. When people see me, they must say, this brother, I love the phrase in Isaiah, I will send peace like a river. <laughs> when they see you, they must say, here comes the river. <laughs> okay. Here comes the river of peace. When we interact with him, we leave feeling far more peaceful. Um, everyone says, say great peace. Say mega. Come on, say mega, 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 mega. <laughs> this is mega peace. Great peace. Substantial peace. Have they that love thy law, and nothing shall by any means offend them. Peter said, multiplied peace to you. Isaiah said, of the increase of his peace, there literally will not be an end. That tells me, I must daily grow progressively, practically and experientially, subjectively, I must grow into greater expressions of the peace of God. Right? Until it's a river that I'm literally swimming in. Right? Then I can tell others, like Jesus said, peace I give to you. Jesus said, to his, we'll read it shortly, when you go to a house, and that household is deserving of your peace, Leave your blessing of peace there. But if they're not deserving, take it back with you. You have the capacity to alter a household. Now, I'm, I'm applying this on various levels. I'm applying this personally. If I'm invited to another church, another household, guess what? I can go there in authority and I can impart peace. Like I can impart grace. Amen? I tell you never you can do this. Yeah, but it's going to demand that you, you, you function, your peace goes to another level. Peace must go to the roof. Hmm? I literally implore you. That's what the Bible says, seek peace and pursue it. Let this be an objective. Right? Peace must be pursued as an objective. Right? It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the indicators that you are growing in the nature of God and uh, you're allowing the fruit of the Spirit to come forth in your life. Okay? Do you know one of the requirements for eldership is to be peaceable? He says that man must be peaceable. Hmm? Scripturally speaking, leadership in churches have to be the embodiment of peace, like Solomon was. You can never ever build a house if you're not a man of peace. Because God said through David, my son Solomon whose name means peace, will be a man of rest, and he will build my house. No authority to build unless you've mastered peace. Hmm? Otherwise you become a breaker, brawler, rather than a builder. Amen? I'm determined. Tell you never you have a peaceful part, you have a peaceful father. You know, we're not into disputations, divisions, schisms, tensions, sitting one up against. If anything, our mandate is reconciliation. We are ministers of reconciliation. I gave you the testimony on Sunday, how I made overtures to someone that was alienated from me. Got a response this week on Facebook. And it was a kind response. So for me, it's an indication of a breakthrough that I was looking for. Amen. I want, remember I asked, I challenge you, try it. How many of you have tried it? Try it while there's grace to do it. <laughs> okay. 
Try it while the Lord is speaking. Obey reflexively and see the outcome. See the result. Amen? Hallelujah. Amen? What we were talking about, impartations of peace, right? Impartations of peace. Romans 15.33 Now the God of peace be with you all. 2 Peter 1.2 Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Jesus himself did this. John 14.27 He said, Peace I leave with you. You know, I just love that the Lord, eh? My Prince of Peace. Um, John 14.27 says this. Peace I leave with you. Right? I was... Some of, some of the interactions I had with some of the, the members at church this week, I was, I was pleased when I called or when they called and we, or whenever we spoke and they said, peace be with you. Right? Practicing the principle. Peace be with you. Okay? Telling them my peace, I leave with you. That is an amazing, an amazing statement. Think about it. You know, um, I listened to Vishal. Vishal is down. He preached at Tamo at Santon on Sunday, and I listened to his sermon in the week. Um, we meet him shortly on Sunday. He's not here. He's going to another church. He just wants to hang out briefly on Sunday afternoon. And he said um, he's now reading the scriptures slowly, focusing on every word. Okay? Tamo told us at the last POA, rabbis, uh, a rabbi said to a theologian, Christian theologian, you guys read the scriptures. We Jewish rabbis don't read the scriptures. We look at the scriptures until the scriptures look at us. Yeah? And I began to look at this. And I just stopped there. I began to practice. Peace I leave with you. Just think about that. Can you say that? Peace I leave with you. It means you've got to deposit something there. I leave it. So you've got, you've got to be the embodiment of it. Right? You know, I can just see you are going to be the most anxiety-free people, the most offense-free people, the most strongest people, the most healthiest people I know, right? The most reconciliatory people I know, the most undivisive people I know, right? The most haters of schism and division people I know. You have your enemies, and every time your enemy comes, you are saying, bless you, I pray for you. The Lord bless you, make his face to shine upon you. You're blessing those that hate you. You're praying for those that persecute you. You're being, letting nothing threaten your peace. Hmm? Peace. We must have a sign, put on our gate or something. Peace. People walking there, they must walk into a yard of peace. Peace of God must be everywhere. Amen? Hallelujah. Peace. Listen to what Jesus said. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give do I give to you. Now, think about that statement. Look at the scriptures until the scriptures look at you. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. What does that imply when he said, not as the world gives? It means there is a peace that the world can give. Hmm? But he says, my peace is not like that sense of false peace that the world can give you. Okay? Please, you must discern that, the false peace that the world gives. Jesus said, it's not like that. But he said, 
do not let your heart be troubled, neither be fearful. So if you have divine peace, implication is you will never ever be fearful. One of the, in one of the expressions and indicators of peace's presence is the absence of fear. Right? You're not fearful. Remember angels came to patriarchs or Old Testament personalities in the Old Testament? One of the first things they would say is, peace to you, do not be afraid. The moment peace is pronounced, fear must, fear must leave. Amen? Fear must leave. There's a lovely, I don't know where it's found, but a lovely portion that talks about the God of love and peace be with you. God of love and peace. In love there's no fear. Perfect love casts out. Here, wherever you have love and peace, you will have the absence of, of fear. Here's the, the scripture I want to get to. John 20, quickly. Won't be long. John 20, verse 19. Onwards. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut and where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came in their midst and he said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side, and his disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Remember, he had just died. They hadn't seen him. He comes walking to the walls, and they're fearful. And he says, peace be, peace be with you. Think about it in terms like this. They witnessed his death. They were unaware that he's risen from the dead. He walks through a wall, and he demonstrates his resurrected body to them. They are now viewing the next phase in Jesus' sort of earthly ministry in a resurrected body. They left one sort of realm at the cross and they're about to usher into the next phase. Moving in the various phases of God from one to the next, it's going to require that you have the peace of God because you're going to encounter things in the next season that might not be readily understandable to you. Things that mustn't upset or instill fear or the, or the absence of peace. So the first thing that Jesus, listen carefully to the principle, the first thing that he says to them in revealing himself in a post or in his post-resurrected form is peace. I want to unveil to you my newness. So I come and announce to you Peace to you. Peace qualifies you to see the next level in God. Peace qualifies you to see the next phase in God. Peace positions you to see the next revelation of the Christ. Peace will always qualify you for entrance into the next great thing that God wants to showcase of himself to the earth. Your peace is very essential for this. Okay, first thing he announces to them is peace to you. Verse 20. When he said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. You see, there's no showing. There's no perception. There's no seeing until you are in peace. The moment you're, like I keep saying, your peace is unsettled, your perspective or your sight is blurred. Right? So you be stand still and see. Stillness is prerequisite to prophetic sight. So peace, and then he starts to show them his glorified body and the evidence. Right? Verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be 
with you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. Right? Now think about just that statement. Look at the scriptures until the scriptures look at you. What does send mean to you? The moment I say send, the idea of send means what? Or implies the apostolic. Now think about it. He comes and he pronounces peace and then he gets into an apostolic sending mandate. From what platform? From impartations of the presence of, or, or, of peace to them. Okay? So you are never ever qualified to do apostolic work until you become the embodiment of peace. Alright? what I got in my notes. Before Jesus sends, implying apostolic call and work, he imparts peace. Apostles function in peace. Growing strongly in the nature of God as peace, listen carefully, is critically essential to the administration of, of the apostolic mandate to forgive men their sins. Read on. I'm going ahead of myself. But read on. Listen carefully. Peace to you. As the Father sends me, so send I you. You got no business going anywhere if you're not going with peace or in peace. Don't go if you don't have peace. Right? That's Isaiah, I think, 30-something. I like that verse. Simply says, you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. Do not be led anywhere if you don't have peace. Do not make a decision if you don't have the peace of God in you. Do not go if you're not comfortable. If there's no resonance and settlement in your heart. They always say, uh, don't make an important decision if you don't have peace in your heart. The absence of peace indicates to you either this is not the right decision or maybe it's the, not the right timing. Right? Make sure you have the green light of peace. Right? I'll, I'll give you the reference. I read that today. <laughs> Amazingly, you know, I have a large memory of songs in my mind that are written from the scriptures. And I read that today, and my mind on this singing, you shall go. I learned the song when I was a student at university. I was part of the Student Christian Association, SEA. I was part of the committee there, and we met every once or twice a week. My four years, they went on camps. And I remember this particular song in one particular camp was the theme song. You shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. Tell you never be led forth with peace. So be led forth with peace. It says the mountains and the hills will break forth before you. There'll be shouts of joy and even the trees of the field are going to clap their hands. Right? You know, I can just see, uh, just, just, just have a sense of peace. And watch out for the signals that disturb your peace. You're going nowhere without peace. You're going to be sent nowhere. Let me just say this to you. If you don't work on the tension in your marriage, no apostolic, you can be in an apostolic house, but no apostolic mandate you, will you function in. If you don't have uh, resolved the issues of tension and relationship uh, with your brothers or your sisters or in your workplace or whichever, you know what? I, 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 I drew a little stick man. So I was thinking of relationships. And I'll present this to you uh, when we do the session. But I was thinking of, take one person, do this for yourself. Draw a stick man and say, this is me. If you're married, join hands with your spouse next to you. So it's the man, his spouse. If you have children, down. Okay, the children below you. 
If you have a, a boss, put someone there above you. Or if you have a business and you are the boss, then put your employers somewhere in the scheme of things. If you have a spiritual father, put him somewhere there in the picture too. And then put your other brothers and sisters in the same household somewhere on the, it's like a, what they call these mind maps. Put them somewhere there. Think of all the key relationships you have. Do you know what? There is a scripture for every single one. Even fathers mustn't exasperate your children, he says. Children, love your and obey your parents. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Bosses, right? Treat your employees honorably, he says. Right? Uh, you employees, do not work for your earthly bosses as pleasing men, but you do it as unto the... There are, there are scriptures for every single relationship. Right? And I was thinking today of all my relationships. Or all, is all my relationships in peace? Or are there some in pieces? Hmm? God said this to me, Randolph, you want to be an apostle? You want to be sent? My peace I give to you, then I send you. Make sure that you become the embodiment. I say this seriously to the house because we're an apostolic house. This house must be known for its peace. Because when God sees peace here, he'll say, I will send you. And listen to what you will say when you are sent. The next verse is, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Ghost. The next verse says this, if you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain their sins of any, they have been retained. This is not about forgiving someone who's offended you. This is not talking about forgiveness of sins in that context. This is talking about when someone is repenting before the Lord and coming into salvation, coming into the kingdom, and you say to them, not Christ, you say to them, your sins are forgiven. Or you can say, your sins are not forgiven, I retain them. You have that capacity. You have that authority. I have much to say to you about this, but some of you can't bear it now. This is, this is where is one of the, the, the key doctrines that apostles are going to begin to focus on, upon, I believe. As he is, so are we. What did he say to the paralytic? Son, your sins are forgiven. They said, who on earth has authority to forgive sins but God? Remember the question, right? As, and I'm telling you, we have that capacity. If someone is, if I discern someone is ripe for the kingdom, you don't even have to say the sinner's prayer. Listen to me. You don't even have to say, say after me, dear Lord Jesus. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you must do that in any case. Right? Some of you look at me very strange. <laughs> okay. I, said, I did this once or twice up to now. Say to the person, you sense the person you're talking or you're witnessing, testifying. All you say is, welcome to the kingdom. Your sins are forgiven you. Come. It's as easy as that. Hmm? But listen carefully. How can you function as a representation of Christ and do that kind of thing? When you can't even forgive someone that hurt you here on the side. But you want to forgive a major thing of ushering a sinner, canceling, listen carefully, 
Christ is really doing it, the canceling of the sin, but you are doing it as his representation. How can you operate at that level when in your small little corner here, you are still harboring unforgiveness about someone that didn't greet you properly? Yet you want to operate on this kingdom authority. This thing about the impartation of peace is going to qualify you for serious apostolic functions. Can you see where we're going? Hmm? The thing about peace is not something light. For me, I thought it was like an elementary truth. But I began to study it. God, this is so, so key to all of our effective functioning in the Lord. What did Jesus say? My peace I give to you. He came to the disciple. Peace be to you. So if he said it, peace be to you or peace be with you, it implies on their part a receiving of that peace. When peace is imparted for apostolic function, it must be received. And by the authority vested in me, by the Lord Jesus himself, I impart peace to you. Peace be with you. Peace be to your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit. May the peace of God flood your circumstance. May you be in perfect health. May you be in perfect strength, perfect composure, wholeness. Never diminishing, but ever increasing. Of the increase, peace be multiplied to you. Is this the peace sign? Okay, there's various connotations, but... You know, peace. Telling you, I want to re-emphasize it. You are not going to do any apostolic business representing Christ, especially in the administration of the forgiveness of sins, forgiving men their sins and ushering them into the kingdom if you are not going to be the embodiment of the peace of God. Before he even issues those commandments, and let me just say this, receive the Holy Ghost, he said to them, Right? This peace comes by the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen? Peace is one of the fruits of, of He who is the Holy, the Holy Spirit. Take these references down. Time won't permit. But Matthew 10, 11, and thir- 11 to 13. And Luke 10, 5 and 6. Again, it says, If you enter any house, give it your greeting. If the house is worthy... Give it your blessing of peace. If it is not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. Hmm? Serious stuff. Eh? How is that? Come to a household and they, you are dishonored there. Disrespected. They don't receive you as the representation of Christ. If you are honored, if you are received, Jesus said, leave your blessing of peace there. But if you are not, it says, take your peace with you. Don't leave any peace there. You can't bless what God does not bless. Don't fall into that trap of blessing something that God looks disfavorably upon. Okay? What I really want to... Everyone say, I'm a peacemaker. So I won't need a pacemaker. (laughs) Blessed are the peacemakers for they are what? Sons of God. You claim sonship. Let me see your peacemaking. That's one of the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 9. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called what? Sons of? Sons of? Of God. One thing I forgot to um, highlight. In Luke 10, verse 5, it says, Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. Right? In the Greek, the phrase man of peace is literally son of peace. If, if there's a son of peace, bless him with your peace. Right? We're receiving James Mbuguya. And we'll pick him up at the airport tonight at 10. Right? We're ministering the word of the Lord here to us on, on Sunday. You're going to hear the stature and the authority this man has. Right? In our view, this is the household of Tamo in Nairobi, Kenya. He is the man of peace, I think. My personal estimation of him, he's the man of peace with the whole city. The stature, caliber of a man. You will see humble, unobtrusive, no ears and graces, ordinary brother in the Lord. But when he functions in his apostolic office, I have, I've been to his church in Fountain Gate. I've shared there three times, right? I've, I've gone with him. And every time I went to Nairobi, I've always accompanied him to outlying cities where he's run his successful input forum, the apostolic forum that they have. Where there's a vast regional impact. And when I see his success, and when I, I praise the man, you would never, if in natural terms, you'd never say a man of that character disposition is going to have that kind of impact. God always uses a man of peace. And for those of you, well, only really, maybe Renee knows James um, as much as I do. But really, conciliatory, always wanting to mend relationships. And now God is putting upon him vast, huge apostolic mandate. Amen? So become a man of, of peace, a son of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of, of God. Do you know what? When, whenever prophets came to a city, when, for example, 1 Samuel 16 verse 4, Samuel did what the Lord came and he came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city of Bethlehem came trembling to meet him. And they asked him, do you come in peace? They knew if a prophet is coming to a city, and the prophet is not coming in peace, yeah? we're all in trouble here. The first question the elders of the city asked Samuel is, do you come in? Peace. Fortunately for them, he was coming in peace. But they knew whenever this, if he stands over the city and he says, peace, there's peace. Hmm? So tell you never simply believe in the impartation. You see, when I say peace to you, don't sit there and say, oh yes, another declaration. No, say I receive it. I, I, I embrace it. Yes, come in peace. Don't let me come in wrath to you. Okay. I come in peace. And I say, peace be to you. Right? All I'm trying to hint at, listen, is apostolic impartations of peace is a valid and a biblical exercise. Right? Jesus did it. Paul did it. Peter did it in his in his. In his in his epistles as well. Just quickly, I want to give you an Old Testament precedent. Before we go there, I'll finish with this Old Testament precedent. Isaiah 52 verse 7 says, How lovely are the mountains, are the feet of him who brings what? Good news. Who announces what? Announcing peace, proclaiming news of happiness. 
Your God reigns. Your God reigns. Remember the song? Right? Who announces peace. You have beautiful feet when you are announcing peace. How lovely on the mountains at the feet of him that brings good news announcing peace and uh, bearing news of happiness who announces salvation. Who says to Zion, your God reigns. Your God reigns. Just remind me, Jules, you must sing that on Sunday. That's a must sing on Sunday. Your God reigns. How lovely on the mountains. So, um, would like to be a broadcaster, an announcer. Your announcements must be one of peace. I want to encourage you to try this with your, with your workplace. Your teachers, the, the, the teachers, try it with your classes. Leo, you are owner of a business. Try it with your workforce. Put a banner, put a heading somewhere, peace. Or when you address them, peace be with all of you here. Before we start our meeting, peace be with you. Because we're not going to work without peace. Peace be to everyone. Hmm? I was just saying to your friends, let's go out before we start. Peace be to everybody. <laughs> My peace I give to you. Not like the world gives. Give I unto you. Amen? I announce peace to you. Amen? Peace to you. Um, I was riding, I took my car in um, for a service in the week. And I was, the guy, you know they, have the, they drop you off at home. So you, the, the, we are three of us in the car and we're talking about the Fields Hill incident. All the way. Three people and eventually all having us say. And they, I was the last to be dropped off here in the bluff. So we're riding home and this Indian gentleman, he says, come sit in the front. He says, hey, are you a pastor or something like that? I said, yeah. He said, hey, I could tell, you know, I just knew something's different here. And he says, you know what, I just, you know what, uh, I took somebody home yesterday who's also a pastor. Now I'm taking you home today, and you also are a pastor. What is God saying? <laughs> so then I grabbed the moment, and we started talking, he started unveiling the details of his life, etc. So we actually got home in front of my yard. He said, put his car off and he's still yapping, unveiling some of his issues. And then I say, so the best thing I can give you is the peace of God right now for what you're going through. So I held his hand and I said, may, may the peace of God keep your heart and mind. My peace. Now please don't misunderstand. When I say my peace, I'm saying Christ in me. My peace, I leave with you. Go in peace. And so he was grateful. I prayed with him. And so when I went to pick up the car in the afternoon, he, I was about leaving him running from a workshop somewhere. He, Hey, I'm pastor, pastor. <laughs> he said, oh, thank you so much. I had a, such a, a blessed day. Simply because of prayer. I want to tell you this thing works. You never know sometimes what people are going through. And you have, if you become the embodiment of peace, you have the power and authority to impart peace. Let me give you quickly. Tell your neighbor two minutes. Two minutes, quickly. The Old Testament precedent. This is the Old Testament precedent, I believe, for what Paul and Peter and John did in imparting peace to their readers. This is found in Numbers chapter 6, verse 22 to 27. This is addressed to Moses, and Moses is addressing this to God. This is Moses. Moses speaks to Aaron and his sons, who were Levitical priests. So the Aaronic priesthood and the Levitical priesthood are addressed. You know the priests represented God in their context. And so God says this. Listen carefully to this. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, 
speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, Thus you will bless the sons of Israel. So the priests, Aaron and the Levitical priests, are going to bless the whole nation. And they say, you will bless the sons of Israel. And you will say to them, this is what you must say to them. God actually told them what to say to people when they're blessing the nation. So Aaron and the priests stand up and they say, the Lord says, say this to them. Number one, verse 24. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance and the Lord give you peace. This was Old Testament. Aaron and the sons and the Lord, I mean the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance and the Lord give you peace. This was something they had to say deliberately to the nation. Imagine a deliberate conscious importation of blessing, of peace. Now you might say, uh, but why did they have to say that uh, God could have blessed them? Look at the next verse. So shall they invoke my name on the sons of Israel, and then I will bless them. When they say it, God was saying, when, the, when Aaron and the priests are obedient to say this, God says, uh, the word invoke means to place something or some, something on somebody to invoke, right? To appropriate, to assert. God says, what is name? Nature, being. God says, my nature and being is brought to bear upon a people by the invocation of a verbal blessing upon them, right? Bless them. Listen to what um, the CEV, this is the contemporary English version of verse 27 says. Whenever Aaron and his sons bless the people of Israel in my name in this manner, then I myself will bless them. Whenever they do it, I'm doing it, God says. I'm doing it through them. Right? The Lord bless you. I just love the phrasing of this. Eh? I want to encourage you. Memorize this. I know, I know there's a special preserve in place for leadership as far as this is concerned. Apostolic, patriarchal, fathering, blessing over people. But I really believe we can operate in this dynamic. Stand with me, all of you. You must study when you get home Philippians chapter 4. I'll talk about that in two weeks' time. But interesting. There in uh, the Philippians 4, you have the two phrases, the God of peace and the peace of God in one, in, in a few verses. Okay? And I really want to encourage you. Remember Colossians 3 verse 5 or 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule. Right? Peace is a ruler. Okay? The peace of God must rule in your hearts. The word rule in the Greek is arbitrate. What is an arbitrator or a referee? What does a ref do? In a game. Okay, the one tennis player says the ball is out. Opposing part says, no, the ball is in. Who steps in and decides? You can have, you can have your point of view. You can have your point of view. But I say the ball is in. Right? You can be your, what is the guy who used to swear like crazy? What was it, that famous tennis player? McEnroe. You can throw your racket anywhere you want to. I have set the decision. 
arbitrators in that context, referees, um, bring to bear an authority upon a, a, a situation that is contested by opposing views. Now it says, Colossians 3.5 or 3.15, it says, let the peace of God be the umpire. Let the peace of God be the ref. Let the peace of God be the arbitrator in your life. Whenever something threatens to, to bring tension, strife, anxiety, who must be, what must be the deciding factor? The peace. In other words, make no decision if it's going to threaten the, 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 the governmental role of peace within your life. So um, you can say peace is my referee, not the French in South African rugby. Okay. Peace is my stabilizing factor. Lift up your hands. I want to impart this blessing um, upon you from Numbers um, chapter 6 as well. Amen? So with your hands lifted up, I want to say this to you. Let's lift up our hands. And I say this to our entire church. Some of them may not be here, but wherever they are, I pray that all of the expressions of peace will be their portion. So as my sons in the Lord, I speak to you in obedience to the Lord. And I say to you, every single one of you, your entire families, your workplaces, your businesses, the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. And the Lord make His face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you. And the Lord give you peace. Peace when you rise up. Peace when you lie down. The Lord grant you peaceful sleep. The Lord give you peace in your apostolic work. The Lord strengthen you with His peace. Great peace be your portion because you love the law of the Lord. Mega peace be imparted to you. His peace I give to you, not like the world gives. I displace every false indication of peace. And we substitute that for the divine presence of peace. May the Prince of Peace rise up within you. He who has the authority to destroy him who is intent upon establishing disorder in your life, his attempts will not succeed. Because there is a prince, there is a ruler, there is an arbitrator, there's a referee, there's an umpire within you called the Prince of Peace. And I pray upon you that the peace of God will guard both your heart and your mind. That your heart and your mind never ever be left unguarded. Because then you are vulnerable to attack. But may the peace of God form a protective guard. May the peace of God be the sentinel. May the peace of God be the rampart and the bulwark. May the peace of God, of God be your strength. May you walk in divine health because peace has become your embodiment. May divine health be your portion always. May peace and prosperity typify and begin to characterize your entire existence. May your walls be of peace and may prosperity be in your palaces. I pray peace, peace, shalom, shalom, be yours now and always. 
I pray of the increase of His government and rule within you. And of the increase of His peace within you, there will be no end. There will be no end. May grace, peace, and mercy be yours always. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.